When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. I'm sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you like. Is Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Brilliant! And time, and time again. Break up the music. Charge your glass. This nation is going to dance all night. The true story behind that viral Sunday League wonder goal. The first ever debate about what constitutes a rasping shot. The Premier League's Twitter account kills the most venerable meme of all. Accidental red hot chilli peppers on match of the day. You could concede a silly goal, but can you score one? Jonathan Pierce's final frontier for VAR. Can you smell ghosts? Alistair Campbell's deep cut football references and some classic Keezy score settling. Brought to your ears by Goal Hanger Podcasts. This is Football Clichés. Hello everyone and welcome to Football Clichés. I'm Adam Hurry, this is the Adjudication Panel and alongside me first of all is Charlie Eccleshare. How's it going? It's going well. Good. Alongside you, and indeed me, it's David Walker. How are things? Yeah, very good. Early matter to take care of. This is essentially an exclusive for the Football Clichés podcast because I know uh, this story is going viral on the morning that we record. Um, it's the Sunday League Puskas Award contender. Actually, first of all, Dave, can you win the Puskas Award in Sunday League? I don't think that's ever been clarified. Is it top division football? It's not, is it? I, I mean, I think it's, what, is it like prof- professional football? Officially <laughs> sanctioned football? Well, why should it be? Why? Don't know. Question for another day, perhaps. Anyway, I continue. Yeah, this is Hitchin Sunday League Division 2 and a video doing the rounds of Chell's Rovers' Charlie Unwin scoring a stunning goal um, in a 5-4 win against the Cock FC. Best way to describe it, Dave, like a, a, a backwards, a, a sort of spinning back heel, spinning back heel volley on the turn. Yeah, it's hard to describe because I, I can't remember a goal like this. 
it's the sort of thing that you see players like I'm sure Ronaldo. I'm sure, there's like a famous clip of Ronaldo like making a pass like this, like in the middle of the pitch for Real Madrid. Like you know, it's it's like a fairly sort of conventional backheel, but like in the air, not on the floor. Like a volleyed backheel. You know, if you haven't seen it, definitely worth checking out on Twitter. It, it is absolutely the sort of goal that if it was scored at some sort of lower professional level, would be talked about as being a pushkus. It, it would win, 100%. Yeah. If it was eligible to win the Pushkas, it would 100% win it. Bit of extra context here, Dave. Charlie Unwin ran this game, I think it's fair to say. Um, it, sort of, it appears to be playing in the hole from the highlights. Two stunning goals. The first one was a sort of um, lovely long-range effort right into the side netting. Also uh, provided, laid on an assist, I should say. Um, <laughs> lovely little through ball tucked into the tucked into the box and someone else finished it. So a great game for him. But I can exclusively reveal, Charlie, that um, the Cock FC's Ross Sharp has been in touch. Chip on his shoulder, perhaps, uh, losing um, a nine-goal thriller. But he says, yeah, he was pulling the strings offensively, Charlie Unwin, but should have been sent off for a two-footed tackle. Shouldn't even been on the pitch. Wow. <laughs> and that's not in the spirit of the Puskas, is it? No. If, if VAR was down in the hitch in Sunday League Div 2, it would never have happened, maybe. Can't tackle like that. <laughs> These days. So that's the real story. What I do love about what I do love about the audio of that goal, which you've just heard, is the the unmistakable sound. You don't even need to see that goal to know that it was extraordinary by the sounds, the spontaneous high pitched squeals from his teammates of just disbelief of what they've just seen. That's an interesting observation because Charlie, um, it is unmistakable now, that sound. But it, is, it still feels quite a modern thing. It feels like a sort of post-soccer AM skills challenge thing. Right, yeah. To sort of squeal at great goals. With everyone what falling down and sort of... Uh... Yeah. What would they have done... What were they doing in the 90s to great goals? I think they were just saying, fucking hell, and then sort of just piling on top of each other. But now it's like... Whoa! Yeah, the squeal is a relatively new phenomenon. It's an amazing goal. My, my only thing with it oh. is... There we go. No, like, because it's quite instinctive, like, it's not one where, like, I can slightly imagine someone I've, like, being in a game where someone scores that goal, just because it's behind him, it's it's absolutely incredible, the execution's amazing. Where the ball is kind of tells him that's, he kind of has to do it, does well, that make I, any sense? I know what you mean, but again, you know, we're talking about a clip that people might not have seen, but like, I think an obvious comparison would be, like, the sort of Scorpion-esque kicks that like Giroud or Mkhitaryan scored a few years ago. And like, they felt more improvisational than the, than this one. It's like, there, there's quite... This seems quite a, deliberate, I have to quite say. Quite deliberate. Like, and the contact is so flush with the back of his heel. Like, he's executed it perfectly. Yeah, looking, I mean, he, he does give a look. I mean, I guess we need to know, does he do this all the time in training? For instance, <laughs> yeah. he's so if clearly we- a class above the rest of them as well. But uh, yeah, perhaps shouldn't be playing down there in at least two ways. Yeah. Anyway, well done to him. Um, right. Adjudication panel proper begins with this. This came from Jason Stanya and Sam McElwain. This is Toulouse versus Liverpool in the Europa League last week. Here's Stephen Maneman with a little twist on a fine UK broadcasting tradition. And that was a chance for Suazo, the Chile international. It was an incredible chance. You couldn't see it there. French cameraman, not good enough. <laughs> Straight to the camera work. Feels that feels harsher than blaming the sort of faceless director, Charlie, doesn't it? That just feels all right, mate. That's what so and your and your Werner Herzog are you? Not good enough. What's great about that is it kind of speak. You, you normally hear like a not good enough is a sort of cumulative thing. You know, you say it because 
it keeps happening. It's just it's not good enough. Like we have this week after week, as if like this is a maybe it is a constant gripe of his that the, the camera work of of the French just isn't up to standard. We have to deal with this again and again. But he he has got it wrong, hasn't he? He it was, is, the, direct, he, was the director, he is, wasn't he? He is having a go at the director, but he's had yeah. a go. He's mistakenly had a go at the cameraman, who's just camera person who's just doing their job. He's film filmed that shot perfectly well, but it's it's the director selected the the wrong angle. It just it just felt. Li- you know, twenty percent more irritated than the usual. You know, director not giving us a replay or something. A little bit too personal that one. Um, from the same game, Alex and Sean from No Score Draws were querying the Athletics' description of uh, Tice Delinga's goal for Toulouse, which they described as a rasping finish. We need a deep dive into what constitutes a rasping finish. They say humbly suggest that the quality of the ball hitting net goal frame sound plays a part. I can see. Charlie, where the visceral aspect of it comes into it, you, you you might need to hear a rasping shot. I mean, rasping is, by definition, sound. But in your head, what's a rasping shot? I mean, power is really important, clearly. It's got to have a lot of power. For me, I prefer a rasping shot to be going probably far post and probably high. Interesting that you said that. Interesting that you said that. Eddie Rose replied to that. Uh, observation Dave and says absolutely has to be rising to even begin to qualify as rasping I disagree with that and I disagree with Charlie Dave I think rasping has to be a low shot almost like rifled it has to have an element of friction about it it can't be airborne so the definition of rasping is a harsh grating noise you can obviously see where my brain's going here I don't think it, <laughs> I don't think you need to necessarily be grating it like a block of cheese there needs to be actual friction but Gary cheese <laughs> But I think I do agree with... I was trying to think of one. Like, what's an example? I'll tell you what I've got in my head. What's a famous example? Carlos Alberto, 1970. That is a rasping finish. It's a rasping shot. It's it's so rasping. It's sort of kissing the turf on, on its way, low, into the corner. It's brutal... But it's not overly spectacular. It's it's defined by its kind of force into the corner. It's it's somewhere between rammed and buried for me. It often gets paired with drive. You often have a rasping drive, don't you? Which again, I think, is an element of it needs to be low-ish. In defence, Charlie, in your defence, I'm not 100% sure about this because I've never seen any discourse about rasping before. So we should keep an open mind. Um, but do you see where I'm coming from with this? Yeah, I need I do. friction. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and what um, has hit home on the difficulty of this, I can't really, I don't have a rasping finish in mind necessarily. What about Steven Gerrard against Germany in the 5 1 sort of low? I, I mean, that's powerful. to Adam, yeah, that's to kind of Adam's definition, is it? Or that, um, I mean, if you want one like that, there's that Boyd goal for Burnley against City that stays really, really low 2015. It's an incredible <laughs> hit and it's a prop, just Skims along the turf. There's no happy hunting. Happy hunting game, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would have been a good one. Would have been a great one. Extra bonus. It was at home, unfortunately. It was at Turf Moor, so it wouldn't wouldn't even have counted. Oh, All in goodness. vain. Yeah, I do, we yeah for me, I, I am just imagining a, a right footer going going high across the keeper into the top so corner. No left foot raspers from you. <laughs> Impossible. Has Close, to be right narrowing yeah. the definition even further. Astonishing. Worrying scenes from the Europa League's official Twitter account, Dave. Uh, they wished Leeds winger Dan James a happy birthday on Friday, accompanied by a video of him scoring against Austrian outfit Lask for Manchester United back in 2021. Just, just a bizarre reason 
didn't need to use the video, but um, Stanchester United writes in, says, what constitutes a player being wished a happy birthday from an official competition social media account? A certain number of appearances? An estimate on how much fans like the former player? Seems awfully random, this one. It's the only Europa League goal he's ever scored. None of his former teams are currently in the competition. He's never won it, and he's also unlikely to return to the competition many times soon. So many questions. This is baffling. This is a real slow news day for the Europa League. Yeah. I mean, are they doing it to every player that's ever played in the competition? I know. That's the point. Uh, is a Lask player getting happy birthday, Charlie? I doubt it. Is it not probably one of those cynical things? That, you know how United always boast about their social media engagement and that gets a lot of opprobrium? Is this not a similar thing of them thinking United have tons of followers... And so do Leeds. They're going after so the Leeds. The Welsh big, vote. Yeah, it's almost just let, let's. In the same way, United get picked for every FA Cup tie. Let, let's just sort of piggyback on their popularity. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't like on Twitter it. complaining. Always, why always saying happy birthday to Manchester United players? Reverse Martin. Where's the Tyler? romance? Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I just want. I want to know how where the low bar is for this. But thing. I'm. I've. I've thought that before as well with clubs, and I don't know. Like they, they must have to do something more scientific before it gets quite political. But you know, some clubs wishing play, former players happy birthday, and some of you are like, God, I barely remember they even played for them. Like, fair play to them for doing that, but that seems a little unnecessary. Might be written into your contracts, like in perpetuity. You negotiate. You get wished a happy birthday forever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get that in my athletic contract. post post Yaya Torre probably was yeah. a, a big yeah. thing. Many people spotted this uh, a real end of an era for a particular Premier League meme, Dave. Uh, the Premier League's official Twitter account after a th- pulsating game, I think we can say, at Stamford Bridge between Chelsea and Manchester City, um, tweeted, just one regular day of Premier League, it's all we ask for, will never happen. It's, it's the death of that, isn't it? Literally is. No one can have any more fun with that. Not that there was any left to have. Done. You can't meme yourself, can you? Did Presumably they didn't use the Conte picture. No. And they couldn't use Barclays either, Charlie, which yeah. it is a shame. Couldn't go full. It's like doing a half-hearted chant on the Football Clichés podcast, isn't it? Just not quite, not quite doing it right. But it's a real shame. It's a real shame. Do you know what, though? It feels appropriate. I mean, it's like, as you said, it was almost there anyway. That final nail in the coffin has been coming for some time. Yeah, that's fine. But the thing is, the thing is, they, the, the Premier League themselves, they have loads of regular days of Premier Leagues. You're not allowed to say that. <laughs> That's your life. Yeah, today yeah. is a regular day of Premier League in the office, just doing the, you know. Yeah, just doing some admin. Just sending happy birthday messages <laughs> yeah. out to some random former players. <laughs> Very much a regular day. On to happier times now. It's time for footballers' names in things. Quick one-two for you this time. Nothing major. Uh, this first one came from T. Dan Smith, who for some reason was watching Season 7, Episode 3 of Heartbeat. This is from September 1997. Here we go. Meanwhile, we've got some new information on that raid at Sanger's. Among the fingerprints in the office was Tony Mowbray's. Do you know him? Yeah. Had a drink with him yesterday in the Aidensfield Arms. You want to be more careful about the company you keep, Bellamy. It's Very good. nice. Have you, have you investigated what Tony Mowbray was doing at this point in his career in 97? I absolutely did. I went, I went, oh, obviously, you know, I couldn't, go, couldn't find out when it was filmed, Charlie, but I went by when the episode was aired, which was 14th of September 1997. The previous day, Ipswich drew 2-2 away at Huddersfield. Huddersfield is in Yorkshire, which is where Heartbeat is based. There you go. But he didn't play that day, so that ruins it. <laughs> well, no, no, it doesn't. I mean, that's... that. Makes the even stronger case. Oh, where's your whereabouts? He, he hasn't got an alibi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
I love it when Dave saves these matters. Good shout. <laughs> right, second one. This came from Darren Altman, who actually is flipping the footballers' names in things concept right on its head as he watched Bournemouth versus Newcastle on Match of the Day. This is quite simply accidental red hot chilli peppers. That's given away and given away badly by Fabian Cher. And here goes Tavernier. <laughs> Thank God you got it on the second hearing. <laughs> Bit of a thinker, that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dave will put it over the music in a minute. It's fine. The listeners will go home happy. They'll get they'll get what they paid for. It's fine. Giving away, giving away, giving away, share, giving away, giving away, giving away, share, giving away, giving away, giving away, share. Right, good. This is astonishing. Right on the verge of the realms of Twee. But no, it's great. This came from um, listener Webley, who says, uh, I thought this might be something you guys are interested in. Correct. There's a pathway to exit Luton's Kenilworth Road called Beach Path. And they make an announcement every week saying it's closed at the end of the game. This is what the announcement sounds like. Attention, please. Beach Path and Oak Road will be closed at the end of the game to assist the club with crowd dispersal. Thank you for your attention. Right, all fairly standard. A good bit of um, public addressing. Uh, Anyway, there's a guy who tweets the minute and second every week of when the announcement is made. He's been doing it for the last two or three seasons at least. This is commitment. He has an Excel spreadsheet tracking the minutes that it's announced. (laughs) So I'm going to look at this um, spreadsheet that he's tweeted out. The detail is astonishing. It's got a graph of all the times uh, with 90 minutes at the top. Don't know how it works within modern injury time some great little he's there's a column marked notes as well as having just the teams and the and the times here we go second of april against millwall no beach path announcement um no smoking announcement instead on 55 minutes 29th of january 2022 against blackburn rovers charlie 78th minute he says but that's an estimate i was in the toilet What kind of data gathering is that? <laughs> Can't be going to the toilet in the closing stages if you're this committed. You'd still hear, wouldn't you? Yeah. I think you'd still hear the PA in the toilet, yeah, especially at a small a... ground like Kenilworth Road. Incredible stuff, though, Dave, right? Amazing. I mean, this is exactly the sort of niche we like. What's he going to do with all of this? Is he going to write a book? Well, hopefully there's a Luton podcast out there that's developed a quiz around uh, guessing the, the the minute and which game and who the opposition were. Has he looked for patterns? I mean, seen you know if if it tends to if there's any rhyme and reason as to when they do it and whether it corresponds to results in any way. The undulating graph is is worth the visit to the to the tweet alone. It is quite something. Yeah, glad someone did it. Right next up, great question from Max Ryan, Dave. Why is it, according to managers, you can only concede silly goals? Has a team ever scored a silly goal? <laughs> well, has a team ever scored a silly goal? Undoubtedly, yes. You'll never hear a manager say it, though. That's right. And I don't know, though. I think, like, I think Ange would probably... He, he's so sort of matter-of-fact about everything, straight-talking, yeah, that he'd go, oh, you know... Yeah, look, we scored some silly goals. Like, Yeah, I, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in this scenario, if it is plausible, Charlie, you'd have to flip the whole thing around. Normally, it's a manager saying they were playing well, but then they conceded a couple of silly goals and... That they threw the game away. So now it'd be like, you know, I thought we were struggling a bit off the pace and a couple of silly goals saved us. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we take the points, we move on. I could see Ange doing it. He's probably, as you say, the most plausible figure for this. But keep- I mean, I guess that speaks to general, you know, we always, because I saw someone saying this about their team. They were like, if you look, the last five goals we've conceded, one's been a VAR nonsense. One was, <laughs> you know, a soft penalty. One was, did it. 
And I was like, how, if you break down the goals conceded against your team, you can almost always find, yeah. you know, how rarely are you going to be like, the last five goals scored in has just been brilliant goal, you know. And even then you're saying, it's a long ranger. What can you do? You know, it's 30 Goals you can't like, legislate for. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> the way one talks about goals against, is, is to comp- they're completely poles apart. I actually have an example of this, I think, from, from Sunday League this season. We were 3-0 up. Ribblesdale Rovers were 3-0 up on, on a good team, on the team that's kind of second in the league. And we went on to draw that game 3 all. But everyone was kind of like, oh God, we're 3-0 up. We shouldn't have lost that. We should have held out. But we were chatting about it recently. And really, the three goals we scored were silly goals. They were like really? two bundled in from like long throws, one terrible <laughs> bit of goalkeeping from the opposition. Like we weren't three nil up in terms of the actual match. Analyzing your own underlying numbers in the pub. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're overperforming. Absolutely. Do you, do you know what it is? Well, I think like you think your own teams are kind of entitled to get good luck. So it's kind of like that's fine. But it's really an or to score kind of crappy goals because you're like, well, yeah, we made our but own. We luck. sort of earned it. Yeah, yeah that's an, true. You'll always spin it back to yourself, won't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's yeah. just doesn't feel quite the same. On a similarly um, flip-turned note, Charlie Chris Nabney writes in says, speaking after the win over Luton, Manchester United's Harry Maguire just said of Victor Lindelof's goal, his performance today warranted a goal. Surely a defender's performance can't warrant a goal. <laughs> Striker or any forward player put in a shift but not a defender. I completely agree with this. You could probably... I, I, in fact, I don't think I would even grant defenders the right to cap a performance with a goal. Uh, they just have no right. I mean, it, it's nice to have, but at no stage does your performance merit a goal. But also, surely you would only say... Wouldn't you say this if a striker hadn't scored? Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean, but you can say, well, he got the goal that his performance warranted or something like yeah, that. If okay. you, yeah, if you corrupt it a little bit, you're okay. But yeah, Charlie, no defenders allowed here. And a couple of follow-up questions. What would what would the defender's equivalent be, though? Because you might say his performance warranted <laughs> that clean block sheet. on the line. Or clean, clean sheet, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I guess what you could say, his performance warranted, like, a moment where he got the adulation, sort of, you know, like he 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 was he went under the radar. <laughs> his his performance warranted a moment, but a goal maybe is too far. And it maybe is too far. unless they had like a, a succession of of set pieces, and Lindelof was on the end of all of them, and the keeper <laughs> he was, the keeper was keeping him at bay. Yeah. <laughs> Keep plugging away, You're knocking on the door, Lindelof. Fair enough. No, don't think so. John Whale writes in next, Dave. Uh, I'm convinced I have indulged in this every now and then. He says, whenever there's a headed goal from a set piece, in the replay, I always try to see if I can track the run of the scorer. However, despite having just seen the goal and knowing who scored it, and despite having been doing this for decades, I'm still abysmal at tracking the correct player. Um, I don't think it's that difficult, but I do find it. I do find myself doing it, Dave, because not out of any sort of football interest of, oh, how did that goal happen? It's kind of just like, it's just dramatic irony. I know this goal was scored, but everyone in the replay doesn't. So I'm just watching this player who themselves do not know that they're about to score a goal. And I'm watching it going, oh, I know, I've got the comfort of knowing that your run is going to meet this ball perfectly. I'll tell you what a really good example is. Um, Drogba's goal against Bayern in the 2012 Champions League final, which, which in many ways was a very fortuitous goal because I think he got shoved in the back as he jumped, which I don't think he would have scored the header without it. And you watch the run and you think, when you're watching the replay, I know you've scored this goal, but you don't. What an incredible, futile power to hold over another human being. That's, that's basically the summary of my feelings about this. I thought, uh, I thought the goal that Thiago Silva scored in the game on Sunday against Manchester City was was a good example of that as well because you sort of see it go in first time from the normal angle like okay that's you know near post header that's good and you watch the watch the the replay and it's like he makes this sort of 
weird run that's like to an area where you wouldn't think that you would be able to do what he did from there. Yeah, it's an amazing header. Do you think you're uh, led as well? And this is why players sort of point to one another and blame each other because they're aware that a lot of people watching won't really know whose fault it was. So it's kind of get your defence in early and sort of pretend and posture and point and say, oh, it's nothing to do with me. Well, on that note, I mean, you know, given how regimented set-piece routines are, both attacking and defensive Charlie, I think Man City's equalised to make it 2-2, Kanji, right at the end of the first half. There was a close-up of the Chelsea defenders as as everyone was taking their positions again. And Reese James was in the middle of it all when he just said, Who, whose man was that? And it's like, wow, you should literally know. <laughs> like, there's no point in even asking that kind of Sunday League question because everyone should know whose man it is. Like, everyone should know the pattern. You're playing zone, mate. worth asking. Whose zone was <laughs> Pointing that? Pointing at the pitch, going, what's your fault? <laughs> Do your job. Anyway, nary an episode of Football Clichés goes by now without a little clip of Jonathan Pearce talking about VAR. 2-2. It's clear on the side for Mead from that angle. We're sending spaceships out to the outer colonies of the universe if such things exist. And yet how long does it take to get two lines drawn on a football pitch? Well, I've got a magic marker here and I've just done it. And he's on site. <laughs> Two great things to enjoy Love here that. first. Charlie, it is great. First thing, <laughs> sending sort of man-made things into space. It's always the go-to for yeah. human technological advancement. And rightly so. It's still the pinnacle of our of our achievements, right? Yeah, we put a man on the moon, but we can't do X, Y, Z. Absolutely. And then the second thing I enjoyed, Dave, was him having to have that mid-sentence reality check of, oh, have we actually discovered colonies in violent space? Well, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But, you know... You know, go along with it. There's got to be something out there, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, We Alone by Jonathan Pierce. (laughs) That was an incredible catch, if such things exist. I don't know. I thought that was his sort of scepticism at that that existence. That was brilliant. We should beam Jonathan Pierce's commentary of the Eric Cantona Kung Fu kick out into the outer reaches of the universe. That's the signal. Yeah. (laughs) Extraterrestrial beings, light years away, still trying to master the stutter of the uh, Jonathan Pierce commentary clip of Cantona, who was, I would, without a shadow of a doubt, giving him lip. <laughs> I was thinking about that only yesterday. I can't remember what prompted that. That oh, I, without a... Very weird. You've got to listen to it a lot to get it right. It's it, The timing of it is quite sensational. Um, love this. Love this. West Ham versus Nottingham Forest. Here's Jared Bowen nodding West Ham level at 2-2. At the London Stadium for match of the day, Robin Cowan. James Ward-Prowse with his eighth assist... In all competitions this season, and Nottingham Forest just didn't smell Jared Bowen ghosting in to make it to all. Jack Meller simply writes in, do ghosts smell? <laughs> that was in the subject line of his email as well, Charlie. Could it so easily have gone into the spam folder? But no, it didn't. <laughs> can you smell a ghost? I don't think you can. Great question. Great question. Instinctively, I would say no. I'd imagine ghosts would be odourless because to avoid detection. But then do they want to avoid it? I mean, <laughs> to avoid detection. Why do ghosts, don't ghosts don't want to avoid detection? They want to spook you. What are you doing? To avoid detection is possibly one of the greatest things I've heard on this podcast. Well, to avoid detection before they're ready to do the spooking. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They can't just be out there all the time. They'd be like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> On the other hand, Dave, ghosts are quite wispy. They're quite sort of smoky, aren't they? So you, in theory, you could, you know, inhale them. You could inhale a ghost. <laughs> Can you hoof a header? <laughs> Come on, Dave. 
I don't think, I don't know. I don't, well, I don't know. I think you could, I, I, I bet you there have been people out there who've claimed to have seen ghosts and, and, and one of the signs of it would be like, there was this strange smell in the room. Mm. What, 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 what would a ghost smell like? Quite musty. Like a flare, like an acrid flare. Well, okay, apparently, according to, according to dummies.com, 10 signs your house is haunted. One of them is unusual smells. <laughs> so maybe no, you're they really do. scraping the barrel. That number nine, was it? Yeah, okay. <laughs> fine, fine. Okay, we'll let her off then. Uh, I want to return to Chelsea Man City uh, because um, it was a relatively speaking, quite refreshingly VAR controversy-free game, Dave. It was... Uh, it's, it's a game that's going to go down in memory for its footballing qualities, its mild chaos, some, some hapless defending, all that sort, all that sort of healthy, wholesome stuff. Yeah. But it could have been, it could have been hilarious if Erling Haaland's goal at the start of the second half to make it 3-2 had been disallowed for the ball touching hit the back of his elbow as he slid over the line and the ball and the ball was you know, the other side of the line as well, overhanging it, touching his elbow. If that had been disallowed, can you imagine? Can you imagine the widespread reaction to that? It would have been, it would have been, I reckon it actually would have killed VAR. I think it would have been, there would have been strikes. Like, pundits would have gone on strike. Not just the rea- yeah, the reaction then, but then also when referees came out to defend the decision and say that actually they had got it right because the ball, you can see it quite clearly striking the arm before the ball goes over the line. By the letter of the law, that has to be disallowed. Yeah, it is a shame that didn't happen. It's a crying shame. There's a further technicality, Dave, which I think might have let him off, which is I think you're allowed to handball it if you're supporting your body as you fall. But then I don't know if that applies to a goal-scoring handball because I think they're just all or nothing. So it would have been a great debate, wouldn't it? But the next day, you would have had your chief football correspondent saying, oh, we're talking about VAR again, aren't we? I mean, oh, I don't know. It's, it's really it was supposed to end these conversations. <laughs> the column from Keezy that would have followed. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. FFS. Oh, goodness me. We... They don't know their arse from their elbow. Yes, that would have been the headline. Yeah. That <laughs> definitely would have been the headline. Oh, because he scored with his arse as well. Sensational. Really good stuff. Right, welcome back to Football Clichés. This is the adjudication panel. Charlie Ecochet and David Walker in the hot seats. The next question comes from Danny Pye. He says, when we say he was way off it today, or we weren't at it today, what is the it referring to? Is it way off the usual level of expected performance, at the level required to match the opponents? I've heard it for years, but I've never given it much thought until now. Charlie, what is the it? I think they're two different things, yeah. He, he was way off it. Oh, so I mean, that's the way, pace, isn't it? Yeah, well, way off it. Yeah, way off it can either be the required level, I think. So off it, I think, is is the pace or standard of that particular game. Yeah. You, or, if yes, you're but, off it. Yes, but it can also be his, you know, we've talked about how good he's been this season, but uh, he was way off it, which yeah. I think can also mean way off that le- his level okay. that has got us so excited at it i mean at it has become a kind of catch-all but i think of at it means how kind of focused you are how committed you are well it depends if you're talking about it in the positive or the negative mm. they were at it from minute one yes i think if you're at it from minute one you're men at it as soon as one put it firing into tackles you're winning 50 50s we just weren't at it i think is more general in like weren't, a, they weren't at the acceptable standard generally. yeah we're, we're loose with our passes we're yeah. not committed but when you are at it, it's more about that 
commitment element. Good. I like all of that. Good stuff. Thanks, Danny Pye. Great question. This is this is equally fascinating from Jamie Campbell, who's watching um, a recent game of Greenwich Morton versus Dunfermline. And he says, Dunfermline scored with 22 seconds on the clock. It was described as a comedy of errors from Morton. Is this too short a time for a comedy of errors? And how many errors make a comedy of errors? <laughs> now, I've analysed the footage, Charlie. Tidy little start from Dunfermline at the back. The ball's clipped forward. The Morton defender fails to deal with a bouncing ball on the edge of the box. Then his fullback comes in to try and rescue the situation by sliding in and succeeds in only half clearing the ball to the edge of the box, where it's then dispatched by a Dunfermline player. So you're, you're talking two errors at best. Mm. And the second one was a fairly decent attempt to try and salvage the situation that really wasn't that emergency. I'm not having that as a comedy of errors. How many errors needs to uh, be a comedy? Well, funny. I was thinking, I think you need three. And I was thinking a comedy of errors got in my head. That one, the Bruno Fernandes goal to beat Fulham. I'm pretty sure there are three in there. And I think, and that to me is a comedy of errors goal. I think anything less than three, just about with, it's sort of slapdash. It's, it's bad defending, but it's in that, it's within that range. Think about that Bruno Fernandes one. You're right. The, the defending was a comedy of errors, but to describe it as a comedy of errors goal, it was still a good finish at the end of it. It was like, he still had a bit of work to do. It wasn't it like. followed a comedy of errors. Yeah, it say. did. But I, I, in my mind, I'm thinking a comedy of errors goal is like, ends up presenting somebody with like a, a tap in. Yeah. Yeah. They can't still be work to do, but, the problem with the three error threshold, which I do like generally, is that take, for example, if you had an under hit back pass and the goalkeeper runs out to try and salvage it and ends up air kicking it or kicking it straight at the striker and it rebounds into the net. That's two fundamentally terrible errors, which I think could constitute a comedy, given that they both work together in unison. Yeah, that could be an exception. But I think the bar are there is high. It does imply a series of errors, though, isn't it? Consecutive terrible errors exactly and so i don't think just any old pair of errors especially if they're okay. unrelated should, should uh qualify as a comedy um dave let's let's not ignore the first question um can you have a comedy of errors within 22 seconds of kickoff yeah definitely. no reason why not eh? yeah definitely if you're not at it if you're not at it from the kickoff then that's gonna happen uh disproportionate amount of correspondence about this dave i i thought it i didn't think it was particularly warranting of it but uh TNT Sports um, tweeted out um, a sensational goal from Inter's Federico Di Marco from the halfway line, catching uh, catching the Frosinone goalkeeper off their line. Uh, what an unbelievable goal, they tweeted. An early contender for goal of the season. So we're knocking on for mid-November. Inter have played 12 of their 38 league games. Is that allowed to be an early contender still? I think it's okay. I think I'm going I'm to deploy the Christmas caveat here. Anything before Christmas is could be considered to be part of a start or an early contender? I'm not sure. I'm not it's, sure it's not I'm even a third of the season gone. Yeah, but I well, but I think the first act of a great play. Well, I I think it, but I I think with regards to goal of the season, is it not slightly also about how many good goals have come before it? And I don't know how many goal of the season contenders there have been in Serie A this season. This might be one of the first ones, but it's a fair point that Charlie. I, I would say that the the tweeter of this probably hasn't factored that in justifiably well yeah I, then you're getting into quite complicated areas i just don't think it's at this point you, you'd ex 
Well, firstly, it's not like it really makes that much of a difference. I mean, are we so discerning that by March or April, our thresholds change and we see a goal and say, well, actually, based on the quality of goals so far this season, that could be a contender. I mean, the, mm. the point with an early contender is you're saying it about ludicrous goals that even at this point is a contender. And I don't think it's, I just don't think it's that early yeah, I, at this point to be saying it. It's so close. Yeah, I mean, I mean, November seems like a reasonable cutoff. You might as well just pull it back a month from Christmas and say, okay, everything in late August, September, October is your early contender period. Everything after that becomes fair just game. Just a contender. I, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I'm happy to move the window a little bit. Would you ever have a late contender for goal of the season? You could, I think, but it would have to be like final day, right? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one, that, because that might be if there was a season when, it, you know, in the, in 96, 97, when Beckham yeah. had it sewn up from day one. If, if you then did suddenly, you're like, wait, wait, just a minute. We might have a late contender here for goal of the season. You know, yeah, you could use it in passing, but it's not a thing, is it? Has there you ever been yeah. a winner of goal of the season scored on the last day of the season? Yeah, there has. There's that Jack Wilshire one in 14 Oh, I knew that too. I'm so delighted that I got that as well. Um Recent knowledge as well, usually my void, but yeah, agreed. So yeah, and and there's no reason there's a reason why a last day goal. It's more carefree. There are good goals on the final. If anything, more likely with recency bias. I mean, because wasn't that the one that matched the day? Were like, we have to do something about this because it was a public vote and that one, and it was deemed bad somehow. I think there was some controversy about it. Just pining for happy hunting grounds, aren't you, Charlie? (laughs) (laughs) It'll be back. It'll be back as soon as we need it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Right, next up. Uh, this came from Adam Simpson. It is brilliant. I've had to seek permission from the goal hanger overlords to use it. Here's Alistair Campbell being grilled on Channel 4 News about the Iraq WMD report being sexed up back in 2003. Question. The answer to the question you put to the BBC, do they stand by it? The answer is yes. The answer. A robust yes. Excuse me. That letter is about as robust as Blackburn Rovers wore when they played Trelleborgs. I'll tell you. The, the answer to the question, yes or no. <laughs> Even allowing for the sort of, you know, Burnley fan aspect to this, Charlie, it is a baffling reference to use. Adam Simpson gives us extra context here. Blackburn played Trelleborgs in the UEFA Cup nine years yeah. before that interview. Who does he possibly think is going to get the reference? That's I mean, I, just my first qualm with it. Yeah, I was thinking that 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 went way back I mean that's quite like us you know all of our points of reference like mid 90s football so it's very, very, very relatable yeah for, for the wider audience that's, <laughs> you fear for how much that's going to land um, Dave uh, further technicalities on this uh, I've watched the highlights of both legs of that UEFA Cup tie at no stage did Trelleborg score from a set piece or you know or any situation where Blackburn had a wall up so I don't know what the fuck really? he's talking about Oh, that yeah. is that is surprising. I, I remember watching that game actually because I, I think it was on BBC. I think was yeah, correct. The home leg was yeah, yeah. But I remember that being one of the sort of early games that I that I watched. Um, but the thing about it is, I mean, maybe one day we'll get to ask the uh, the man himself. But um, you know, famously, come and get me, please. Famously, <laughs> sort of everything. The whole media strategy was sort of workshopped, and you know, the prepared lines, and uh, you know. That was that was New Labour's thing, right? They got that side of thing completely down pat. So if it's wrong, if, if there wasn't a, a if there if, if if Blackburn's walls actually were robust against Trelleborgs, why has he said that? <laughs> I bet <laughs> no Campbell idea. had such authority. I bet everyone just trusted him. Yeah, trust me, trust me. Just It'll go dig, down well. Just a dig at his local yep. rivals. It's just a distraction, isn't it? It's the dead cat thing, isn't it? It's just, yeah. That's all anyone was talking about, actually, after that interview. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Deep dives into Blackburn v. Trelleborg. Bad news for Blackburn fans. Um, 
Meanwhile, in the political sphere, Charlie, um, this came from Nifty Palms, who was reading uh, Laura Kunzberg's piece on the BBC website um, about the travails at Downing Street. Um, one quote, as one senior conservative told me, people need to be scared of number 10. Nobody is frightened of Downing Street anymore, one senior Tory told me. It's just nice. not a hard place to go yeah, anymore, it's is not. It? It's, everyone's going and winning there. It's like Old Trafford in yeah. 2013-14 season. Yeah, the Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi doesn't work well anymore. <laughs> Easy stuff. Good in training. Right. Final clip for you this week. Gareth Brennan was listening to Talk Sport around about 7pm on Sunday in the aftermath of Chelsea versus Manchester City. And this Chelsea fan had this to say. Exactly, and I mean, uh, people seem to forget very quickly. We we started the season with an injury left of, of basically a whole starting XI, and so as and so it just so happens that our players are coming back. Wow, Charlie, you're a Latin scholar. You know, if yeah, you think or two about this sort of thing. I'm Great just, to I've see this. Never heard it said out loud. Entering the mainstream. No, I don't think I have either. Amazing. That's extraordinary. I mean, uh, confession here, Dave, before I rip into it too much, um, and why should I is perfectly correct, is that um, whenever I see it written down, my brain goes X1. And I've always thought it. And I'm so close to saying it out loud sometimes. And uh, I have to change it to line up or something. But, um, but yeah. What's wrong with Roman numerals is the point I'm basically making here. We've got a good XI coming later in the week, haven't we? Yes, we have. A really, really good cliches xi coming on thursday but we finish as we always should with keys and gray corner Quick one, two this week. It's first one came from Mark Egan. Here's an advert for the Nintendo 64 back in 1997. Before I play the clip, will it be Keys or Grey? Grey. Surely not Keysy. Really? Let's see. Captain, there's something heading our way extremely fast. It's coming straight at us. I've never seen anything like it before. Action. Racing. Fun. Adventure. Nintendo 64, the fastest, most powerful games console on Earth. Now at 99.99. Bit of voice acting from Keezy at the start there. Yeah, actually, we should have got that. I mean, yeah, Keezy just voiceover work, lovely bit of work on the side. Easy. He's money. done other adverts. He's, he's more savvy featured. than Grey, isn't he? Yeah. I can imagine Grey being offered stuff like that. I mean, like, I, I don't really understand it. I'm just going to say no. Keezy did another advert that we featured on this podcast before, but I cannot remember what it was. I'm, I think it was for another games console. So he did all the rounds. I, mean, I guess it'd be the perfect target market, wouldn't it? I mean, everyone, yeah. you know, the, the overlap between people with Sky Sports subscriptions and buying a Nintendo 64. Uh, you know, and, you know, as we always should in these moments, Charlie, he's got a good voice. He's got a like great voice. Very, he's a great 90s advert merchant for me. Right, quick survey before the last clip. Dave, list some of Keezy's sort of established hobbies and uh, things he likes to indulge in. I told you so. Yeah, That's sort of, yeah, one. reasserting his opinions. Charlie, anything else? Proper football manny stuff. Um, football sort of being better in the olden days. Mm. Yeah. Also settling scores. Yeah. Yeah. Settling scores. Uh, here's Richard Keyes and Jason McAteer for some reason on being sports Premier League coverage at the weekend talking about the Spice Boys and the Gerard Houllier years after he'd taken over and was clearing the squad out. And it was all just a convenient Trojan horse for some classic 
Keezy score settling. You, you won't see it coming. Yeah. That, that is what he... I had this conversation with him. That is what he felt. Mm. He felt you were never going to win anything with the Spice Boys at Anfield. Well, he was If wrong. you remember, McManaman, good player, left. Uh, he got rid of Robbie. Uh, yeah, he left. He, McManaman he, left because because he wasn't yes, he, he wasn't but, paid but what he, he wasn't thought he was. Unhappy about yeah. that. I, I would put you in the next bracket down. Good player, but he he felt maybe what the wrong type. The one that the, the wrong type. What what does that suggest? Well, spice. That, there, there was that whole Spice Boy culture. Well, the red nap. I mean, what did red what nap was bring spice to the boys about it? Didn't tackle. Didn't score goals. Just just you know was was part of the furniture. He had to sweep the whole <laughs> lot out. No, he didn't. Again. How could? <laughs> That was what I reckon what this entire segment was about, Charlie. That's so good. <laughs> didn't score goals. Did score goals. Great goals. So good. Didn't tackle, didn't score goals. Amazing. Just part of the furniture, Dave. Oh, but just absolutely. Just got, had, to, had to finish it as well before before replying to McAteer's point. Yeah. Um, so good. Great stuff. Right. Great keys and great corner. Great education panel. Cheers to you, Charlie Eccleshare. Thank you. Cheers to you, Dave Walker. Thank you. Cheers for listening, everyone. We'll be back on Thursday with a cliches XI. See you later.